I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. Today and tomorrow, we're focusing a large part of our program on the topic of drones, unmanned aerial vehicles, as they're known technically. The U.S. military flies them over Afghanistan. The CIA uses them in places like Pakistan and Yemen. Sometimes the drones are just for surveillance, but on many occasions, they are used to bomb targets. And that's often led to unintended civilian casualties. That's made the use of drones very controversial around the world. We begin our coverage, though, here on U.S. soil. Those drones flying over, say, Afghanistan are often piloted by people sitting in rooms in the United States. Those pilots on the ground, if you will, often learn how to operate the drones by flying them in domestic skies. One training program is run out of Hancock Air Base in Syracuse, New York. North Country Public Radio's David Summerstein reports on the fuzzy line between military preparation and creepy eye in the sky. The MQ-9 Reaper is the U.S. military's premier hunter-killer drone. It's ultra-sleek and slate-gray. And I gotta say, standing in a maintenance bay, it looks a little creepy. There are no windows, of course, yet it can see things from 20,000 feet. Pilots fly the Reaper from virtual cockpits inside a white bunker, encircled by several layers of barbed wire. It's so classified, I'm not allowed to look inside or talk with pilots, let alone take a picture. Our bread and butter's uh, mission called uh, close air support. Uh, support the boots on the ground. That's Colonel Greg Semmel, commander of the Air National Guard's 174th Attack Wing. He says most of the Reaper training takes place in the airspace above Fort Drum Army Base, an hour north of here. Pilots practice supporting ground troops with bombing runs. Occasionally, they even drop real missiles onto Fort Drum's ranges. But the Reapers also soar far beyond the base, Semmel says, over Lake Ontario, across northern New York State, over the Adirondack Mountains, where real people live, not just soldiers in training. Let's say um, we're going to go out and we're going to simulate uh, watching a, uh, some structure out there, a bridge over a river up in the Adirondacks. Semmel says they'll practice watching that bridge for hours. He says pilots will also practice tailing cars driven by hired contractors. They'll see civilian cars, too, maybe even people. But Semmel says they won't identify anyone or anything. We're going to see lots of cars go across that bridge. But I can tell you we don't have the capability to get detail on that car. We can't read the license plate. We can't read, we can't tell who that is, where they're going, what they're doing. The Reaper has been used to track and attack alleged insurgents or terrorists with great detail in places like Pakistan and Yemen. I asked the Reaper's manufacturer, General Atomics, if its camera could, say, identify a person. The company referred me to the Pentagon. An Air Force spokesman wouldn't get specific. When the Reaper's training was launched two years ago, Colonel Chuck Dorsey of the 174th Attack Wing described a more targeted training program for state regulators. He spoke to the Adirondack Park Agency in January 2011. We picked the third house on the right past the, the big blue silo, and we start working there. Or, or one thing that's particularly uh, difficult training and very useful training is to pick the next car that drives north across the Black River out of uh, Casterland and track that track that vehicle as it makes turns and it goes underneath trees and behind barns and whatnot and, and, and see where that thing ends up. It's this hidden eye in the sky that worries privacy advocates most about drones. What about the images that the drones capture of people in their private property, in their backyard? 
Udi Ofer of the American Civil Liberties Union says the Reaper training over upstate New York is just one example of domestic drone usage. Police used a drone in North Dakota last year to arrest a man in a cattle wrestling case. Drones now regularly patrol the borders with Mexico and Canada. But Ofer says legal protections haven't kept up. And that's why we need a Privacy Act for the 21st century to address the fact that drones are getting cheaper, they're getting smaller, and they're getting more powerful, yet there are no meaningful rules in place to regulate them. Colonel Semmel of the 174th Attack Wing says the military has very strict rules for its training program, including destroying practice surveillance video in 30 to 60 days. But there are thorny questions. What if a pilot witnesses a crime, like a holdup or a car accident? Semmel says they wouldn't contact law enforcement unless it was a matter of public safety, like a house on fire. But it's unclear whether the training video could be subpoenaed by a court of law. Still, there's been little public objection to the Reaper training flights. Upstate New York has been a military flyover hotspot for decades. F-16s from the old airbase in Plattsburgh used to startle hikers climbing the peaks of the Adirondacks. It was, it was jets, and they were low. I mean, frequent. Peter Crowley was one of those hikers as a kid. Now he's managing editor of the Adirondack Daily Enterprise newspaper. He says drones are not loud like jets. They're not a nuisance issue, but rather a privacy one. But when the paper wrote twice about the drone training flights, Crowley says his readers barely batted an eye. I was a bit surprised, to be honest, because sometimes people have concerns about privacy, and I haven't heard them. Experts say everyone from FedEx to farmers to paparazzi is looking into unmanned aircraft to help do their work. Colonel Semmel at the Reaper training program says that's inevitable. The opportunities are endless, so I think it's very important uh, for us uh, as a nation to figure out how to integrate these things into the national airspace. The Federal Aviation Administration predicts thousands of drones could be flying over U.S. airspace by the end of the decade. The debate over where and how is only just beginning. For The World, I'm David Summerstein in Syracuse, New York.